can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, and my lovely co-host, Jane Lanina Hammer. Uh, and we're, we're coming at you today. And before we get into the episode with our with the movie for this week, I do want to um, reach out. There's been a lot of fan mail, a lot of fanfare. Um, mm. Most of it has been handled like in a really copacetic way, but some of it has been a little alarming. Um, there's been a lot of, <laughs> of, of like old school, like fan mail, uh, stalker-ish behavior. Like snail mail. Yeah, Yeah, like like letters being cut out of magazines and stuff. And, you know, (laughs) I got one the other day um, via Courier. um, Mm. And I opened it up and it was all of those little, you know, the different uh, magazine-style letters, like, cut out. And it was like, where can I contact you online? What is your social media Mm. presence? And I was like, oh, this is a weird way of of going about it. But, you know, I want to cover A lot of work being put in. A lot of work being put in for us. Quick internet, a simple, a simple inquiry, a simple inquiry. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do want to say, if any of you are out there listening, um, any of our overzealous fans, or you know anyone who's just trying to get through the day, (laughs) we love you all. And if you're interested in keeping tabs on us, then you can find us on Instagram. And live Facebook, mm. and you can find us on both of those at Movies We Missed, and you can also find us tweet, tweet, tweet away over um, on our uh, Twitter at MWM Chat. Um, Jane monitors that account; it's an award-winning account. Um, mm. We have all sorts of things. We have recipes on there. Jane does a mm-hmm. lot of like aspirational videos where she just takes you through her home and she shows you like you know mm-hmm. all of the products that she uses and mm-hmm. you know her face routine. Not sponsored, and- of course. No, 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 no. Uh, I do it for you guys. She does so it for you, you guys. something to sort of like work towards. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's been a lot of like financially, you, but it's all of the stuff that she uses. So there's been a lot of dial, a lot of Neutrogena, <laughs> um, but she's really she's really like like specific about those two products. If you guys are looking for a, actually one of the things I just want to say, if you guys are looking for a great shampoo and conditioner combo, which I know a lot of people with long hair famously love, um, I would love to recommend Pert Plus. Um, Mm. One of the greatest. And you know what? If you go to one of your aunt's houses, I'm sure you can find a bottle, a half used bottle of Pert Plus from 1996 in the shelf somewhere. Absolutely. Just get clean, baby. Absolutely. (laughs) Soften your hair at the same time. And fun fact, I will say that Pert actually spells trep backwards. Mm. So So think about that, you guys. Let's have a moment of silence for trep. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, we did it. We did it. We did. That felt long enough, didn't you um, think? It did. We did it, Jane. Um, we gave respect. <laughs> we did it. Respect words do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So that's um, that's something to keep in mind. Um, mm-hmm. This weekend, actually, Jane and I. Um, we saw each other. Um, we did. We, uh, you know, we twice. try not to. We try not to. But <laughs> and we saw each other twice. Um, mm-hmm. We did a little bit, uh, a light, light amount of watching of uh, <laughs> of shows. We we we. Okay, here are the two things that we watched most. We watched. Uh, 
a, a docu series on um, Jane's. What do you call her? Just like Auntie, God Auntie, or whatever. But uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> okay, uh, first of all, that was the joke I made about you while we were watching it. I said, oh. "Do you want to watch this thing on your godmother?" No, 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 no. Um, no affiliation. Said, yes, that. I want to see what she's up to because she was just. Sentenced I have a question for you. Okay, this will be a deciding factor. If okay. I called my mom right now, do you think my mother would know who Ghislaine Maxwell was? Yes, I do. No. Nope. nope. <laughs> Dave, Dave just said no from the other room. My mother has no idea who Ghislaine Maxwell is. And I would actually, I would be surprised if my mother knew who, my mother may know who Jeffrey Epstein is, but my mother has no idea who Ghislaine you Maxwell is. You know what? Like, oh. Obviously, obviously I knew that that was the answer when you asked this to me, but what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going <clears> to. <throat> well, I, I guess I want to know what your follow up to that is. My so, point okay, is so mom- that it's more likely since your mother knows knows who Ghislaine Maxwell is. How do you know? That How do you know your, my mom knows? Because your mother keeps up with stuff like that. You know your mom knows who Ghislaine Maxwell is. You try had a conversation about inviting her to Thanksgiving or something and she was like, that's not good optically. And you were like, well, she's my godmother. I want her here. Um, and uh, so we watched a documentary on Ghislaine and we also watched a lot of a... And we also watched a lot of a show um, that was has been deemed as too hot for TV, too problematic for TV, for sure. Too problematic for TV is the good thing. And I want to let you guys know that um, we had to, and I say we, I mean Brandon. Brandon had to do a lot of research on the internet in order to find the DVD. It makes me seem worse. Show. It makes yeah, me seem Yeah, of course worse. it does. That's, That's why you told it. <laughs> of course. That's why you included So he went and found, he had to buy it on eBay. And let me tell you, he surprised me when I showed up with his house with the box set sitting on his like um, stand in front of the TV. And he was like, my reaction couldn't have I screamed with delight. So I'm dragging myself too. No, you jumped up giddily. I've never seen you get up that fast. You <laughs> ran to get your hands on that box set that we're like not sure if it's all like on the up and up. I'm starting to think this box set was maybe made by a person with like some graphic like design experience. And it was packaged. bootleggish. It was bootleggish, but it did the trick. Um, mm-hmm. And Dave, as Dave has pointed out, what James actually said out loud was, oh my God, the swan. Um, the those are the first utterances. Um, and then she ran gleefully for the box set. Um, it was a show from 2004. It was a short run, baby. I think it was 2004 to, to 2006, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was just two seasons we got in and out. And then all of a sudden they they realized this is appalling. We got to get this off television and then we have to try and erase it from the annals of history. Um, and Fox has probably done a really good job of covering this one up um, because you can't stream it anywhere. You can't pay for it to be streamed. You cannot find it. And that is probably for the best after spending the majority of our um, uh, like evening watching this show, which um, for the uninitiated, the show is a plastic surgery pageant. <laughs> and when you say it out loud, it sounds worse. <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> it is Fox's surprise hit as it reads on the back of the fucking uh, DVD cover. And it is one of the most egregious shows. So they take two quote unquote unattractive or plain looking women, women who don't feel good about the way that they look. And they bring them in front of a panel of dental experts, plastic surgeons, um, trainers, 
It's so horrible when I when you say it out loud. I keep I keep talking as I keep explaining it. I, I'm like breaking into a cold sweat because it's so bad. Um, and really they bad. say these are all the procedures we want to do to you. They do all the procedures. They spend three months healing and it's two women per episode. And at the end of the episode, they they aren't allowed to look at mirrors for the entire three months. So they're like in like sequestered and they are revealed at the end of the episode to themselves and to the world. And it's unclear who votes in this scenario, but only one of them quote unquote wins and makes it to the pageant portion. And at the end of the season, there's a pageant with, I believe it's eight eight contestants Mm -hmm. and they, walk around in evening wear and swimwear and, and lingerie, lingerie. For some and one of them in the end wins the title of the swan and if you want to take a minute and just digest all of that and realize how horrible that all is it's so many surgeries at one time too they are like <laughs> they are putting them through it they, they, it can't be good for them. It cannot be good for them. No. And I think it was because it was like 20 years ago, like we knew less then than we know now. And putting people through, you know, 10 to 15 procedures at one time has got to be absolutely harrowing and taxing on the body. And then yes. and then they make them do the 1200 calorie diet. And then they make them go to that weird spiky hair dude who does all of the like he's in charge of their like fitness. Yeah, it's like they're like wearing they're literally still wearing like you know the corsets that are supposed to like keep their stitches from bursting from like the lipo and like the breast augmentations and he's like trying to get them to do like lunges yeah he's like go ahead hit this punching bag and it's like am i gonna burst a stitch like also also the woman the the woman who like comes in and like terrorizes them who's like one of the producers like she goes into the girl's apartment and she's like i heard that you asked for hot dogs and pork chops and it's like, what's wrong with a pork chop? She can a pork chop? A pork she can a hot fine. dog? One hot dog, one loose hot dog's okay. My goodness. Yeah. They really, they were like, you, do you want this or do you want to fail? And it's like, they're just like so mean to these women who it's like, what we should be doing is like confronting why they have such low self-esteem and feel they need to have, you know, 25 procedures at one time and, you know, work on their inner selves. But no, we signed up for this they signed up for this and brandon and i spent hours <laughs> watching it, it i will horrible also, that also i do i did love how like at a certain point though this is where we are i have to admit that we're we're not that we're working on ourselves no there's we a have certain, a lot going on for us <laughs> there's a certain point where we had to admit that a lot of them did look better and we hated <laughs> and we hated ourselves for it there's like a point where we first we're like oh my god this is crazy and then at one point we sort of were like she she does look good though <laughs> the thing is and i talked about this with tara on our drive home because i was like really not feeling good about myself because of the things that i said during our viewing <laughs> like i because <laughs> the more you get in it you're sort of in the world you know what i mean and oh, oh when we're oh, when we when we all of a sudden were like what they're only giving her they're only giving her an eight in evening gown are you kidding me yeah we got we got a little wrapped up in in the nightmare that was this show exactly and i understand after watching hours of it like how like 
this is all perpetuates like you can get wrapped up in this world and start to feel like the things that like are that like that people are telling you are valuable are valuable and so like some of the things that like I would think while watching this show I was like watching my mind at work regressing all of the shit that I've learned over the last 20 years about you know self esteem and and loving yourself first and all that kind of stuff and being like <laughs> her nose job isn't that good and it's like what are you saying you know what i mean it it wasn't it wasn't our proudest moment i did not love myself after yeah i didn't that. have that moment that jane did but i did see her having it and i heard i didn't actually say that this and- uh, I was sad um, to hear it because um, I always love to see women supporting women. So when I see something different optically, it like it doesn't sit right with my spirit. And I actually talked to Dave about that after you laughed. Um, <laughs> Brandon, I said, you know I remember, what? I'd be vulnerable here. Meet me in the middle. OK, I started crying. I remember okay. Dave came in the room and I was trembling. And he said, <laughs> you know, he said, what's wrong? Um, why you cry? And I said, <laughs> Dave. I said, you cry? see what Jane, you see what Jane did. And he Brandon. said, yeah, I did. And he said, I had to leave the room because I was really appalled. And I wanted to pull this you out of it all, because I was afraid. so untrue. Because he was like, I was afraid of your goodness um, giving in <laughs> to like, she's your such goodness, a powerful, You're the one who did the research to find this and, show that was previously And I remember banned. I said, Dave, like, how did this DVD get here? And he was like, I don't know, baby. He said, one of your fans probably sent it to you. Um, and then he was like, your body looks insane. And I was like, thanks. Let's not talk about that right now. Um, but he just was like, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of him. Like your body's sick. Like you look good. And I was like, okay, back on track with, you know, Jane evil. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's already, we know that. But I just said to him, I was like, what's it about me? Like, should I end that relationship with her? And he was like, he's like, you're the light and she's a darkness. If you weren't there to provide her with that, then she'd give in to her, to her deeper, um, her urges. Are you done? Are you done? Yeah, you can have a floor, Janie. Sorry. <laughs> Look. No, I'm sorry. That was all a performance. No, we watched it together. We thought the thoughts that we thought. And uh, yeah, we're not, and, it wasn't our proudest moment. But no, it was also it us. also was this weird thing, too, though, not to let us off the hook. But it was this weird like right. time capsule moment, too, because it's like this show that's totally. almost 20 years old. So there's something really crazy about the ways in which like these people, one of the people on the show who is Terry Dubrow, who's a doctor on the television show on E! called um, called Botched. Botched, And so it's really interesting to see. I've seen him on Botched and I've seen some of the things he says and he seems to be quite evolved himself. So it's interesting to see him like engaging in a in like this show at like not the beginning of reality television, but closer to the beginning than we are now, obviously 20 years out. And it's like to see a lot of these people who are like saying certain things and like, you know, engaging with these people who, who honestly need like really like they probably could have used like way more just like support and like mental health care like as they worked yeah. through some of these feelings of inadequacy that they had they had like this like cursory sort of like it seemed like a little smack of like therapy but then it's like okay are you, you gotta be are you are you done yet because we gotta get you over there for the lipo yeah we'll get back to these <laughs> traumatic stories from your childhood later but if you want that butt lift mama 
The clock's a ticking. <laughs> the, the, the clock is a ticking. Also, I they think... use the pageant as like a bargaining chip, which I thought was really funny because I kept forgetting about the pageant the whole show. I know. And the they kept being like, is... do you want to be in the pageant? It's like, I'd and rather just mean, get I'd be like, the... I'm just like here for the free prize. I'm here for the $200,000 worth of plastic <laughs> surgery. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll, you know, give you the deuces. I don't need to win some useless pageant. Yeah. All these but... like dresses from these like designers I'd never heard of. And like, oh, they were so bad. In a trip we... to Vegas. It was like, what is this package? <laughs> just give me the money. Just give, just me, the... give me the money. I just hate when they're like valued all. at. I don't want that because we all know that just like a new a you just like a new car when you drive it off the lot that value, <laughs> that value that drops value goes down valued at a million do- no 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 and no. it's like okay well I'll just take the money it's like oh the money isn't available then it's like oh, so this isn't can- value this is donated this is a donated yeah. gift I want that market I don't want that market value because we all know what yeah. that is but I do say one of the things and we can we'll, we'll move on after this but I just one of the things that actually really made me feel so sad about watching that show too is like it broke my heart that like we grew up in that world like this was like oh for sure that long ago and when this was airing I don't remember I didn't watch it then but I don't remember having particularly strong feelings about how fucked up this show was and it's like the things that we accepted as like normal behavior particularly for women and also there were very very few women of color on the show but also like they're the ones that they did have like there was some problematic stuff going on there too where it's like obviously like the ideal like look is like this you know European white um, ideal and that's oh, sure. what we're doing all of this surgery to like not a black not a black woman to be found to. not a black woman anywhere not, I'm sure there wasn't one on set because I'm sure some you know at least like someone would have said something but you know it was it was what we all accepted at the time as being oh this is like a a, a, a transformative reality show and it definitely played on tried to play on the heartstrings as well like oh my god look at this transformation this has changed my life is so much better but it's like this kind of transformation is not necessarily the validation we should be looking for obviously no. you know and there's nothing so, wrong with and there's nothing inherently wrong with having surgical like enhancements through procedures obviously and that's no, not what this we're is saying a judgment on plastic surgery also these women had a lot of times had really like unhelpful partners and so it was like yes. you go to their homes you see like the husbands that are emotionally like unavailable and you see like them looking for some sort of like like affirmation in their lives of like their value and so it's just like it was just a it was a real mess um and with all that being said and hearing like jane talk about the journey that she went on i do have one question for her will mm. you be watching season two with me of course <laughs> okay so uh we are where we are <laughs> the thing is is we know what we do is bad but that doesn't stop us from doing it the dvds are there the dvds we- exist they, what, they exist. go unwatched. Honestly, it also puts us in a good position because we love judging. This we also love judging a thing for being bad. And so I feel a definitely superior when I watch it being like, I can't believe this show is made. And yet you're watching. I mean, you could say that about any of these Real Housewives shows or any of the other nonsense. Of course, of course, of course. They're, <laughs> they're also which I strangely don't watch for some reason. Um, not not I mean, because it's beneath me or anything. I just I don't know. Just I've given up on them. 
but this also reminds me of like a similar philosophy that a, a dear friend of ours, Laura, when we like get together and like we buy a bunch of horrible like just like snacks to eat together, and then there's a point <laughs> where like we've like had enough, and then Laura. <laughs> Or, or me or to be like well you know what like we should like let's just eat it all to get it out of here like it shouldn't <laughs> be here anymore and it's like <laughs> last time I checked you were sitting right next to us on that couch <laughs> no I do not subscribe to this I'm like I stop well not every time not tell the lie like but Laura Laura is the worst where it's like there will be an entire thing of Oreos and she's like we have to eat it all because it I mean can't I can't eat it hurt. I can't do it any all because the way my body's set up but <laughs> although she also physically ill to be like next time we check these can't be here and it's like although, that math ain't mathin although also i did go i did go to the doctor today for a checkup and the doctor checked my blood pressure and like i've noticed today for the first time it clicked to me they checked my blood pressure i was in a hurry i had just got done working out i was taking the shuttle sure, to sure, campus sure, sure, to go sure, to the doctor sure, all this sure, stuff sure. and i get there and they check my blood pressure and she's like mm, that's a little high but you just like ran in and like blah 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 blah, blah. like yeah 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 and then like she, she's like let's try the other arm and she's like oh it's a little bit lower but it's still a little high but yeah okay, okay, okay and i was like you know what it's like every time i come to the doctor i get they say the exact same thing they say you know what it's a little high but it's probably because of so and so and so it's like maybe it's just a little high maybe it's not maybe if every time i come in it's just a little high then maybe it's not these outside maybe factors. it's just high <laughs> so i was like i need to talk to my doctor about this so i need to you know what that happened that happened to me last time i went to the doctor i i hate going to the doctor as any other normal human being it gives me a lot of anxiety and so when i get to the doctor's office i have super high anxiety and so they took my blood pressure and the woman was like okay uh, like your voice got like uncomfortable she's like okay uh it's a little high but like it seems like you know you, you just got here might be a little nervous like let's take it again afterwards and so then like we took it again after i had my appointment and i realized okay like i'm not dying so i'll be okay and then it was normal but like they should take it at the end when you know what's what yeah you're probably right. Um, so this week, we took a trip back to 1993, almost 30 years, to watch a little bitty uh, by the name of Demolition Man. And, uh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. Oui, oui. Um, yeah, I gave it to Jane to watch this week. Um, and if she's up for it, I do have a little synopsis that I'd love to like just share with her. Honey, I'm up for it. I'm game. <laughs> she said that go. before, and then it turns into something else. So let's hope for the best. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? I don't right know. Now? I don't know. Let's just, just move into the your synopsis. Oh, God, here we go. Um, all right. We've gone back to the future and found ourselves in 2032. Wondering how we got here? Well, this tale starts where all good stories do. In 1993's version of what three years into the future will be like, we start in an abandoned building in 1996, where John Spartan has all but captured villain Simon Phoenix. To be honest, Spartans had tunnel vision for a while and only had eyes for the Rodman-esque criminal. He's determined to take Phoenix down and end his reign of terror. Spartan is on the hunt for the 40 bus passengers that Simon has taken hostage. 
After a thwarted attempt to get Simon to confess, he discovers that his singular focus on the madman has resulted in an unexpected explosion initiated by Phoenix that kills all 40 of the passengers he'd hoped to save. Spartan is sentenced to 70 years frozen in the California cryo penitentiary for rehabilitation after these murders happen on his watch. Not sure where the growth comes from being frozen for 70 years, then thawed like a turkey with no actual opportunity for meaningful growth, but I was born in the 80s, so the society of the future eludes me. Well, while Spartan and Phoenix, for some inexplicable reason, are frozen, the world changes. And when Simon Phoenix is left at room temperature overnight for thawing purposes so he can stand before a parole board in 2032, things get interesting. After he's denied parole and sentenced to more years of cryogenic freezing and useless frosty rehabilitation, he initiates a plan that involves freeing himself from the incarceration of the future and unleashing his brand of savagery on an unsuspecting San Angeles. See what they did there? I guess Santa Barbara raw dogged Los Angeles while San Diego watched from the corner like a useless cuck, and this place was born. Clever writers! It's also worth noting that this futuristic world doesn't involve much physical contact, which means we have a useless police force that has little experience with hand-to-hand combat. Sound familiar, 2022? (laughs) Meaning that they have a Simon Phoenix on the loose in a world ill-equipped to take him on. He makes easy work of the bumbling San Angie Popo, who have little experience handling violent criminals. This world is so sanctimonious, any activity deemed uncouth has been forbidden. That includes sports, eating meat, drinking alcohol, or even having sex. There goes my co-host's social life. You're even fined for using profanity. What the freak? They can take their censorship and duck themselves. The only way that they'll be able to tackle this yesteryear crook is with a cop of the past. Alexa? Set the microwave to thaw. John Spartan will have to be defrosted like Grandma's big ziti if they have any hope of stopping Phoenix. Otherwise, this criminal of the past is going to get medieval on that ass. Will they be able to stop Phoenix before he commits any more atrocities? Is there actually any atrocity worse than Wesley Snipes with this blonde Mr. Tifo up? Will Spartan show Phoenix who's boss? Or will his 1990s brand of justice prove too antiquated to truly work in a San Angeles of the future? 2032 has built quite a world for itself, but if it hopes to keep its institutions from crumbling to the ground, they'll need a demolition man. You did it. That was you got everything in there. I actually thought about your synopsis while I was while I was watching the movie. And I was like, this is going to be a tough one to write, but you crushed it there. Thank you. There is like the one thing in here. Um, and I didn't mention was the fact that I'll just mention now. There's the fact that a part <laughs> of what happens when um, Wesley Snipes character of Simon Phoenix is frozen when he what they what they basically do. And we'll talk on this. We'll touch on this later or we'll touch on now, whatever. The, yeah, what, what they do, what, what they do is they up, they sort of like upload like these programs into the minds of the the prisoners as they're frozen so that like they're obtaining these skill sets while they're frozen in this cryogenic mm-hmm. in this cryogenic state and we find out later that um nigel hawthorne who plays the character of dr raymond cocteau who has helped to really like architect this world of the future that doesn't really have like violence in it is actually has actually been like programming like um the simon phoenix character with all mm-hmm. of these programs to teach him all of these things like martial arts and um uh, torture techniques um and things like 
like that. And he also uploads the password for freeing him from his um, from his uh, incarceration so that when he's at his uh, parole hearing after he's been thawed right after he's denied, he says the password and that's what unlocks his braces and which frees him to like kill the guards and then kill the warden at the time who have just denied him parole and then like unleash his like brand of savagery on this community of San Angeles. So we, we don't find that out until later in the movie. It's a big twist that Cocteau actually gave him those that skill set. Um, but that like was the only thing I, I didn't fit in there. Wish, I, I kind of wish we had figured that out or at least had the knowledge sooner that these were uploaded into him. We didn't necessarily need to know that it was Dr. Co- Cocteau who who did it until later because that is a big twist in the movie. Mm-hmm. But like the first three quarters of this movie, I was kept thinking to myself like, he how did know he how do this? Yeah. How, how did he? he well, how would he know this? You there's know? so many things in the beginning of the movie. He like he he says the code, his braces, Um, you know, he he's freed from his braces and then he starts like killing everybody. And then he also like he understands how like up-to-date technology of 2032 works like he goes to these computers and he knows how to use them and there's all this stuff and you are thinking like how does he know how to do this like and it feels like one of those things that like if we'd known about the uploading process because like obviously in this watching this movie i kept thinking to myself like what like what's the point of this freezing and also like right and also with a person like him it's like if the goal is like first of all like everybody has their own opinions about like the prison institution and like, you know what that means. But it's like, wh- like if you're just being frozen, then it's sort of like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, it's like, what, what are you learning? What are the lessons that are being learned? If that, if that's the goal. So it's like, let's put this person on ice and then make him a problem for people for generations in the future is such well, like wild. Well, like I have some feelings about this and I think like, well, as you have, as wait, you have feelings about something and opinions. <laughs> Obviously, the prison, I I think it's probably like documented on this podcast that, you know, we both have a lot of strong feelings about how fucked up the prison system is. But for sure, this idea of cryogenically freezing people until they're allowed to be paroled actually in my mind is like this is more in line with what like society wants to do with prisoners because they want them quote out off the streets, but they don't want to quote deal with them and treat them like real people. So I feel like this is actually like the truest form of like what people want to do with, with um, people who have committed a crime, who think that there's not, you know, like who, who vilify people who commit crimes, even though everything in the world is, horrible and racist and all of our laws are like, you know, our, our systems are designed to, and they're set up in a certain way for, for certain, exactly to make sure certain people go to prison for committing crimes. Like, so I actually thought this was like a very true depiction, how like our overlords would want to like deal with a prison. Well, they're not having to spend the money. I mean, they're having to spend money on the cost of like power and the cost of like freezing, but they're not having to spend money on the cost of like actually like housing. And like, you don't need as many guards when you've got like a series of people like frozen in blocks, like that right. kind of like aspect. I don't think rehabilitation is important to like our government. Or, like, oh, the people who make laws. Like, I no. think that they, it's a buzzword that they think they're using to like calm down people who are like, Hey, maybe we should treat um, people who commit crimes like people and they're like oh 
Okay, but that still doesn't. But it's also like when you come before a parole board, like what are you coming before them with if you've been frozen the entire time? Then it's like, right. what's your case that you're making for being paroled? Like, 100%. You don't know what's happened to you. And you're also probably just spinning the parole hearing, looking around, like, what's happened? Like, what's going on? Why are people flying? Like, the parole thing to me was so wild in this movie because. Wesley Snipes is brought up for parole like 35 or 36 years after he's been frozen. He doesn't get it. And it's like, why did you thaw this bitch out? Just to say, yeah, if you no. knew you weren't going to get him, if you knew you were giving to him, then leave him on ice. Then and also, on ice. isn't it expensive to thaw and rethaw? To thaw, rethaw? And can like the human body handle that even? Also, you also, it's like, it, like, is this a world? Like a part of me also was like, you also killed 40 people though. So it's like, <laughs> also, by the way, the first scene of this movie is like they're they're in 1996 instead of 1993 for some reason which is such a weird choice to me I know, like just so set it in 93 so I they know. set it three years into the future and then it's like it's like uh, Stallone chasing um, Snipes who plays uh, who plays Phoenix into this warehouse and he's looking for these 40 bus passengers that like also like it's really funny because this is one of those movies similarly in a way to like an Alan Rickman and Die Hard where it's like he's just a career villain who like this Absolutely. is just what he does and it's like it doesn't <laughs> It's just chaos is the name of my game. It's and like, he does he does the whole throughout the whole movie does the whole nineties villain thing of just like laughing maniacally at anything like evil. Yeah, that I'm happens. just here for like destruction and like no, exactly. there's there's no origin story. Don't look for it. Like I love <laughs> like watching really the world no burn. Driving force. It's just no, like he's just doing what he's doing, and it's like because it's like why'd you why'd you like take forty people hostage? It's like it's never. It's not like I want money. Like I want anything. It's just like I did it. Like, there was I took no them all explanation. Hostage. Uh-huh. And it goes and it goes it, it it goes further to push that narrative that people who commit crimes are just inherently evil people who like have no like you know no soul and no soul there's no compass there's no moral compass like they're just making right. the decisions that they're making and it's like exactly. also, also we find out that early in the movie Stallone is called the demolition man his character John Sargent is called that be- Spartan sorry I keep saying Sargent John Spartan is called the demolition man because <laughs> Because he just like leaves a bunch of like destruction in his wake, which is like it's so funny that you've been allowed to do that for so long that they've coined a you name have for you nickname. and you haven't been fired. It's like <laughs> the thousands and thousands upon thousands dollars, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of like damage. Millions, like, I'm sure. Millions. And then you just have the angry like commission, like slams a file on the counter. It's like, damn it, you're a loose cannon. Take a walk. This is actually more than being a loose cannon. Like you are, you are losing the city, the, the, the police force millions of dollars to save. Like there's a scene like later where it's like shows him. He, he's like holding a little girl who is at, who's um, being held ransom for $25,000 and he destroyed an entire building to get to her. And it's like, I'm not saying that that's not important to get the little girl. No, let's talk about the human life and the cost of human life, Jane. <laughs> no, I, I, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like <laughs> he's destroying an entire building to get to one person. Like, and that's such a risk too, because so many people could die within that process as well. Sure. It's just very reckless. I'm not saying don't save the little girl, but maybe like, you don't have to say know, it, figure out said it without saying it, yeah. <laughs> a different tactic where you maybe just come up with $25,000 and then like 
or you know track the money and arrest the people i don't know you know there was also the moment when like after he because he like he brings he also throws he throws phoenix over his shoulder and carries him out of the building and then like they get outside and phoenix is being like detained and then they realize that like because he does this thing with like this this he checks the building basically to like see if there's any heat that's radiating from the building which would be a sign of life and he doesn't see any so he thinks that there's no one in the building so like later on when the building explodes he thinks that like the hostages weren't there and then it's revealed that like they find all the bodies of the hostages and like Phoenix is loving it and he's laughing. And then he says, yeah, I told him they were all in the building. He said he didn't care. <laughs> and, the, and then the cops, that's what he says. And then the cops look at Spartan, one of their fellow police officers. And they're like, <gasps> like they just took it. They took it as fact. If they were like, he, value. It, well, if, <laughs> if this career criminal, if he says that you said cool, when he told you, if you said cool beans, when he, when he told you that there were 40 <laughs> bodies in the building, he says you did. It's like, y'all didn't trust me then from the get go. Right. Like, exactly. And it's like that. That's like, he is judge, jury and executioner in that moment. He's like, all it's he had to, to cryo jail, baby. It's literally <laughs> the equivalent of like you, like coming home from work and like one of your kids being like, yeah, like I told her that I was going to like cover my, Myself in like flour. I told my big sister I was gonna cover myself in flour and then, you know, like eat all the candy and poop in the middle of the kitchen floor. And she said, Go for it, mom's trash anyway. And then you look at your older <laughs> and you're like, I can't believe you said that. It's like I didn't. That's the kicker. The kicker is the it kick- was a lie. The kicker is that the one who made the fucking mess to begin with is a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah, the kicker is the one who's gonna be pooping out. Uh, who's been pooping out flour for the next couple weeks is actually the one who shouldn't be trusted. That's the that's the wild mind blowing part of this whole thing. But they don't called, care. This is called critical thinking. But you don't no. seem to have those skills. They give him the seventy years. They're like, and I, I wouldn't be surprised that a police force doesn't have critical thinking skills. But no, it's still wild that he gets seventy years gets in 70 cryo years. prison for also. My thing is like, wouldn't forensics be able? Like forensics is able to tell when if a body like died right so or if a body died before like at a certain time oh i mean maybe but i guess if you're dealing with pieces but even still like if you don't die yeah yeah well i guess it is an explosion now that you're thinking about it it's like they can't they can't yeah that's yeah they can't it's it's probably unless you have a whole body to do some sort of but you would just think it'd be a little bit more investigation but it's like but also the t and he because he says later in the movie they're already dead so it's like you killed 40 people and we never know how um right like is there but no it's just yeah you're right dave it's just negligence on the part of the police officers right it's bad which again i don't expect anything out of a police force so it's like it tracks at this point. It's really 1993 dragging 1996 is what it is. Cause it's like, we know mm-hmm. it's going to be shit in three years. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a quick come up to like an absolute, like apocalyptic situation. <laughs> also, apparently like he was like, um, Sylvester Stallone, the worst part of filming, according to Sylvester Stallone was like, the hours upon hours that he had to be like naked in that vat of like goo when they put him in like when they freeze him they put him into this yes. clear like this tub of like translucent liquid and he's naked it's like it's and it's not water because you can see like the viscosity is like yeah higher it's viscous than it's water. got that visky to it yeah yeah it's and it's like first of all shout out to you sly because you clearly have been pumping the irons getting ready for this scene we get a little sly booty and 
um he's just luxuriating in his blue and it looks it looks beautiful as a viewer and he's like in this like vat with like a lid on it like with this weird contorted like expression on his face which may have just been sliced on his face i don't know but (laughs) it's just him staring up and it is a weird shot and i was and and, and then when i was reading that apparently this was awful and it took it it took like forever to shoot it i was thinking yeah like of course it did like it was probably cold it's just like, oh, what and are we going like to break? like in the nude covered in. Yeah. Goo. It's like, are we almost done? Like, it's just he like, said no. the probably the worst five hours I've ever had on movies. Yes. I was yeah. Terrified. So that does sound awful. Just be butt naked and goo for like five hours. Yeah. Saturday. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So all of that. Also, another thing that was little, but like when they go into the future, uh, and then uh, Sandra Bullock um, is in the movie. She plays. Which blew which my mind. You, did you see that? Who was supposed to be? Um, I did, and now it's Lori Petty. Lori Petty. She got fired after two days for creative differences, and I think that's so fucking funny. Well, it's also funny to me because it's like, what, like, what were the differences like? It's just like I just like makes me wonder like what like what what was the thing? She said her and Sylvester Stallone were like oil and water. Basically, Sly didn't like her, and she didn't like Sly. And so they were like, "No, it's not going to work out." They said, Um, "Get me Sandy." And, she and then said, they said, give me that young upstart who hadn't even done speed at this point. Which was, I know. Which and frankly, she's not great. In this no, she's not. <laughs> like, I think it's I think it's widely known. Sandra. Sandra Bullock is a good actor now, but certainly, you know, we all evolve as um, creative human beings. And this was certainly the beginning. Like, she just couldn't, like, deliver her lines in a way that felt authentic. And I get it. The script was like, she also was morning like, to you. What's your boggle? And it's like, how do you, how what do you do, you do with this world? Like, what, like, you have to understand, like, reality in order to understand this hyper reality. So it's right. like, she didn't seem to really fully get it. It's like, I think she leaned into the aspects of this world. She exists in 2032 world when they, when, after Phoenix is loosed on the community and then they decide that um, John Spartan is going to be freed from his uh, cryo freezing, you know, whatever his cryo jail, then she engages with him. And that's so she exists in this world where everything's been sort of anesthetized in a way. And it's like, there's no crime. And there's there's but it's also like, what are y'all doing then? Um, but like, there's no crime. And there's no sports or sex or any of that stuff. And so it's like her. And so she kind of has this like robot like quality in a way. But it's also like I feel like the fact that she doesn't know what sex is and she's never been around cursing or violence is also supposed to like attribute to her like her doll like um like default state I think it's safe to say that this is not a well written female character. No, 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 baby. <laughs> and no. she is it's, she's weirdly obsessed with the 20th century. She's always like, oh, uh, like, I guess her apartment has, like, lethal weapon posters on it. And, like, she loves things. It's also like from- a JFK. There's like a JFK, like poster on the wall so it's like a very specific type of 20th century that she seems to <laughs> yeah be like- she has a red hot chili peppers poster as well yeah and and you know she's she's blown away by the things that she learns from um uh whatchamacallit from john spartan about the 20th century that she didn't already know but it, it seems i don't know kind of surprising to me because like 
it just it's not all of it is jives like at one point she like asks him to have sex with him and then what she means is virtual sex but like she then educates him that and he's like oh i thought we were gonna do the old-fashioned way or whatever and then she then is like no like after like aids and then all of these other fake viruses like you know exchange of fluids like outlawed and then she was like horrified that he wanted to do it that way even though like she knows that he comes from a time where he does not know what the virtual second I had, is. we had this exact same conversation i was like why are you so shocked you you know <laughs> what he thought you meant when you said sex you know exactly. that based on the world that he has been pulled from and brought into you know that he does not have a context for what your version of sex now is and so the moment that he like is like oh i thought we're gonna have sex and she's like no oh my god get out and it's like educate him and you should have educated him when you first looked at him and said i would like to have sex with you and he thought oh okay we're gonna have sex which by the way she says she's like i would like to have sex with you and he's like oh okay and then he like um there's a weird like appropriateness of like asian culture also happening throughout this movie he, what y- yes he's wearing what i call a steven seagal outfit <laughs> It's like faux sort of Asian silk, like yes, what what you see. It's like the sleeveless all running around in. Yeah, it's very that. And also, she is too. She's kind of wearing this kimono esque robe when she comes back in the room, like the sleeves on it and everything. And um, it's just a little weird. And then there's like the two of them. He thinks they're going to have sex. She's like, gives him this helmet to put on, which I also was like, why didn't you ask a question when she put that helmet on you? Well, you just want to get it in. <laughs> and also, you just found out about your wife being dead. Like, when they uh, when he's unthawed, and then he finds out that his wife is dead, he moves through it so fast. Like This is also day one. This is This day is all day one. one. And so he's he, thawed, they- <laughs> yeah. And they, like, tell him, I'm so, we're so sorry, like, your wife died. And he's like, oh, okay. And later that day, Sandra Bullock is like, you want to fuck? And he's like, sure. <laughs> Yeah. It's like and there like, wasn't a moment where he was like, "Oh, I'm not like cheating on my she's gone," or like, "I actually think I need a little bit more time to process like the loss of like the love of my life before right. I'm ready for this." He's like, "We'll exactly. do that later," but right now I'm getting those draws. Like, <laughs> it's just like I thought there was gonna be a, a a moment to ponder at least, or to like, you know, like no, there's none of that. He's processed, nope. baby. Mm-hmm. He is processed. I also was really annoyed how this is just like going back to him talking about his family like at one point he mentions his daughter he has a daughter can't wait to meet her later in the movie and she never gets brought up we never meet her like why would it just seems like a stupid thing to like plant a seed and then never finish did you see that they like there was like a scene filmed and apparently she was supposed to be um she was supposed to be one of oh my god the I, the scraps the under yes people? she was supposed to be one of the scraps and there was going to be a oh scene where he meets that his daughter and apparently they cut it Idiots. it's like that's what you cut that's not like this cut? nonsense at the taco bell like this is what gets oh the cut. my god the taco bell concept upset me which they went to apparently so there's a whole there's a whole plot in the movie about like these the quote-unquote franchise wars that were won by taco bell which is like also i like that there was a war and i like that we didn't just like yeah i want taco bell but like i also want to have a burger sometime too it's like no 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 right. just tacos um so, so that well well the result of the franchise war is that every restaurant is now a taco bell which sounds like my worst fucking nightmare because i fucking hate taco bell i would i would be so i thought 
thought to myself, like, huh, that's the one that won, huh? So, like, <laughs> uh, but apparently they went to Burger King first and then, which was interesting to me because I would have thought they would have been second because you know you know how they do. They went to Burger yep. King first, then they went to McDonald's, then they went to Taco Bell. And so, oh. which I think is really interesting. I think it's interesting that Taco Bell was third, first of all. Shocked by that, how high they yeah, were. Yeah, me the too. List. But also, I'm surprised that they went to the flame to the flame broilers over at, although I'm not because if we're picking, if we're talking burgers, I would rather have a burger. What I want is I want a burger from, from Burger King and I want fries from McDonald's if I'm being completely 100 with you. That's interesting. I actually don't want a burger from Burger King because they always seem to be very wet to me and I don't like my... The thing about McDonald's wet. burgers is I feel like they've already been pre-made. And, the thing, and also I feel like the meat doesn't taste as much like meat as the meat from Burger King. Honey, none of it tastes like meat. I mean, none of it's meat, <laughs> but it's like, but it tastes, I mean, it's not one of these rat burgers that, that all oh, John Spartan was noshing on down, down. In oh the- my God. The rat burgers. That was so disgusting. But I was also like, you got to adapt when you're living underground. You gotta, he adapted you fast. Know. He did adapt real fast. Because it's the moment that somebody said rat. I would have. I would instinctively up. upchuck. Yeah, me too. It was, but it was that's a lot. disrespectful, I guess, to the person who's serving you. My, tell my body that because <laughs> it would be coming up, baby. It would be coming up hot. Uh, also, you didn't taste the difference in that in that grain, that meat grain. <laughs> Because that probably was real sinewy. Like, I am pretty sure. Real stringy. I, well, first of all, I mean, honestly, how many rats would it take to make one patty? Like, I thought about that, too. I was like, that's like, more oh, than. Well, no, but rat. But think about how big rats can be, though. Rats can be huge. Oh, my God. I hate this conversation. Okay, so all of this is what's happening. Um, we also, for some reason, the head. Okay, so the head of like there. So the reason why Cocteau has brought um, our villain out of his free out of his frozen state is for the purposes of helping him take down uh, Edgar Friendly, who is a head of. Um, Oh, the, the scraps. scraps. The scraps. The scraps. I'm sorry. The scraps are the underground people who are rebelling. The mole people. Uh, uh, who are rebelling against this society created by Dr. Cocteau. And Dr. Cocteau, for all intents and purposes, is like the mayor of San Angeles. He is like the head honcho and makes the, you know, sort of makes the appearances and is like the face of like what they're calling like, you know, the like the civility or whatever. And that includes all these like morality things. Like every time they swear, they get like um, charged a credit. And if they do it repeatedly, like the police may come. Um, everyone in this universe is very docile and kind and calm. It's almost like a society where they like pump Xanax into the water because everyone's so chill. And I would believe that's happening because it's hard for me to imagine a person coming into a chaotic society trying to instill these, frankly, oppressive laws that don't allow you freedom of speech. You don't have freedom over your own body and not having a huge amount of civil unrest and that's why it's like hard for me to swallow these like cops being like oh i've never dealt with like a, a an angry citizen before and it's like 
that is or, or, or a murder or anything like that. I'm not prepared to deal with someone who doesn't uh, just listen to my authority because it's like it makes me think of the Hunger Games, right? Like this is a society where they have a ton of oppressive laws and they have what they call the peacekeepers. But the peacekeepers are the cops for, again, all intents and purposes. But they are violent. They are controlling everybody by fear. And it's hard for me to imagine a society where this exists, where the citizens aren't controlled by fear, you know, unless yeah, like they're this pumping sort of like, Xanax or some sort of thing into the w- drinking water. Yeah, everybody's so docile. And yeah. so it's like it's also like hard. It's like there's no altercations of any sort, because what we find out, like, first of all, Kato has like Kato personally programmed all of these different programs and these killer programs into the mind of um, of Phoenix while he was frozen for the purposes of bringing him back and him being prepared to be a killing machine and take down um, Edgar Friendly, as well as other members of the scraps. So mm-hmm. that's the whole reason, which is like and it's a, it's just basically like a counter like uh, like a counter um what's what I'm looking for? It's like it's like a like a counter society, like a, like a, like a, some the counterculture is what I was looking for. Actually, it's like oh, a, okay. it's like it's like a counterculture, like that he's basically saying there are these people who are like we want to eat meat. You're not allowed to eat meat in the world. Like we want to curse. We want to be able to exist we on our caffeine own caffeine and chocolate and alcohol and exactly and, you know and to be able to have access to abortion, which you know <laughs> we don't even have in this fucking country anymore. But um, they are like taking a stand. There were weird ways that it echoed like some of the stuff that we're dealing with right now in the movie and I thought yeah. I'm a genius and I, I didn't even I when the thing about geniuses like me Miles <laughs> Davis sure um, probably like if you sure. think about people who have come in Obama like yeah. mm-hmm. who've come in and revolutionized the industry mm-hmm. what I what I have helped to do I, I, I dare I'd I say revolutionize what industry Oh, well, I was going to say it before you interrupted me with your bubbling. Oh, please go ahead. But um, what I've done for podcasting, mm. uh, I get the, I see the stats. I see where we're sitting. I see the ways that we dethroned um, no Rogan. I see what we have. I see what we have accomplished in such a short time. Jane and I are now we're getting checks from Spotify for like. 10 15 million dollars like once a week now um and so it's been crazy to see like the ways that our lives have i would actually happen. not say that on air because i have not been claiming that on my taxes properly so i don't want anybody coming up to me <laughs> oh you're not oh you're not doing it legally you're not doing it the right way okay no, 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 that no, checks no, no, out no, 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 and that's no, no, what no, i should not legal it's a character thing really for me um it's, i like to just it's not <laughs> yeah anyways yeah no yeah, go off um so yeah so we did so we haven't been getting millions of dollars i wasn't just listening to the beyonce album on her private jet um <laughs> she didn't beg me to do some guest vocals on one of the songs that i don't happen. know when this episode comes out by the way but this is obvious this is being recorded before july 29th so brandon is indicating that he does not have access to that or that he is early access to Beyonce's album. I just want people to be clear. All I'll say is it's a revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that without having heard it, by the way. I know, you bitch. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, no, but but you're right, though. It's like this world. It's like this counter world. It's echoing a lot of what we're dealing with right now. It's also like the what yeah. if. Like, it's it's the experiment of, like, what happens in a world where we don't have violence. It's also like, what is this police force doing then? They don't do anything. They don't know how to do right. anything. So it's like, why, what y'all why doing? Are there, why are there so many of you? 
also like a character, an interesting character in this in this movie um, who like they don't. I feel like there's more to be done with him, but they don't really do a lot with him is um, is the character of Officer Zachary Lamb, who's played by Bill Cobbs, who's like a. like like one of those actors that when you see Bill Cobbs you instantly know Mm -hmm. I'm happy to report Bill Cobbs is still alive that makes me so happy oh Um, good he's one of those actors that we grew up with he's in he's been in so many things he plays he plays basically everything he was was a rookie police officer 34 years 36 years earlier when all of this when the movie first began he's like a brief moment in, in that scene it's a different actor playing the part but he's like the one who's sort of a link to this past world, which I thought was so interesting because it's like, I wondered, like, I would love to hear more about, about him then because he's an older gentleman in these later scenes. And I mean, Bill Cobbs as an actor, he would, I mean, probably online with the character because he would be in his, uh, he would, okay. So he would, he was born in 34. So he would be like, so he would have been like, well, no, I mean, that doesn't matter. Actually, never mind. Damn, he My, was born in 34? Yeah, he's 88 years old. Wow. Which would mean that he was like, well, no, no, I'm correct. And that would mean that he was like in his like, his character was in like his 60s or whatever. But my but my point is just that like, he understands the world as it is now without violence. But also he was a young, but a police officer like during like the beginnings in 96, he was a rookie police officer when Spartan and when uh, Phoenix were both like arrested. So it's like he understood the world then and he understands the what the world has changed into as far as like a world where like there isn't violence so it's like I would have loved like him being utilized more as like like I think he could have really the y'all could have given him like a really great scene where he I would have loved that too but it would have it would have um rendered um Sandra Bullock's Lenina Huxley character totally useless because she's the one walking him through this world and no she's walking through this world and she could have still done that but him he would have been a person who had the knowledge of what the world was and he could have had a scene no, where he talked about saying. like the changes more like what that meant for him especially as a black man like which right, obviously right. we weren't talking about race in this movie they weren't no, prepared for that conversation not. but no. I would have loved to like he, and by the way he's one of the only black people in this movie by the way well, like, right, but they the really Snipes. that was something I noticed about 2032 yeah. was that it was still it was, it was looking real creamy yeah. it was looking real <laughs> real real, ma- real mayo-y like I was like real, where a, a straight up Alfredo <laughs> yeah right I was like where are the oh and we had an Alfredo in Benjamin Bratt that was his character's name <laughs> oh yeah uh, we had a young ass Benjamin Bratt in this movie mm-hmm. um when Which I was, was a, a surprise okay when I was a kid I thought Benjamin Bratt was so Fine. When I was, he I remember is. being like, he is. No, he is. He's a very attractive. I just remember like when I saw him in this movie, I hadn't seen him in anything in so long, and I was like, Benjamin Bratt. Hello. Um, yeah, he is a gorgeous looking man. And I didn't real also, by the way, Wesley Snipes is really hot, which I don't think I Wesley realized when I was younger. Wesley Snipes is a very is very attractive. I also he's not in this movie, obviously, but I have been on a really big um it's because I started. Okay, so I started watching Game of Thrones. Everybody, um, oh my god, Brandon! And I'm so like, good. and I have been on a really big Pedro Pascal kick lately. Oh um, yeah, people. I was love like, him. I was like, am I am I in love with 
Pedro Pascual. Um, <laughs> and I said to Dave, I was like, Pedro Pascual is so sexy. And he was like, oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. I was like, he's... OK, so we're on the same page. He is. He's really doing so. I'm watching a lot of his interviews um, and just like really like anytime I see anything with Pedro Pascual, I'm just like. He's such a That's my he's boy. such a card. What's going on with Pedro? Oh my um, god! I, what? Okay, so who was he in Game of Thrones? I don't even remember. He well, Dave, just, Dave just chimed in. He's so fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's welcome in this home. Um, he plays Ober, <laughs> he plays Oberyn Martell, who is a member, who is one of the Dorn people, the Dornish people. Who shows up? Oh, and he's okay. like he's yeah, bisexual, yeah, yeah. and he's just like totally. he's in the Game of Thrones world, and he is just. He he's is, living yes. his life. Yeah, oh my he's God. a he's a very and he's like I best friends with Sarah him. Paulson, which I which I think is really interesting. Why do you think that's so interesting? I don't know. It's just like Sarah Paulson and like I don't know Pedro Pascal. I just don't. I just I was like, huh? Like, what would it be like? I mean, I think it'd be a fabulous dinner party with like those. Oh two. my God! It but it's like huh. me. Yeah, I'd love to hear what he has to say about Cherry Jones. <laughs> Um, I actually would like to hear hear what he has to say about Trey Jones too. I, w- I also yeah. would love to hang out with Trey Jones and listen to some Indigo Girls and break in some horses. I'm here oh for my it. God. <laughs> you know, you know, if you go to Trey Jones's house, there's some like there's some yeah. Dave just said we're going to the ranch, baby. There's well, some, you know just, she's not. There's no. I can't imagine a world where she's not in an A shirt and like a flannel. Me neither, and I'm absolutely here for it. But I feel like she and I would have different interests because I don't really want to break in some horses and listen to Indigo Girls. But I know that I, I know that I'm probably one of the only queer women who like never had an Indigo Girls moment. It just never. I still have. I still if if Closer to Fine comes on at the right time, I it mean, will I have a connection to that song because it's like yeah, oh it's a good God. song and it's, it's also a like, great song and it's just it's like it's song. so synonymous with lesbian culture that there's no way I don't like I can't like feel something well lesbian singer songwriters have always have always had a very very distinct place in my heart I, I mean love, me too they're just lesbian the songwriters are I, lesbian songwriters are my favorite songwriters that's just what it is that's the truth of it like Brandy Carlisle mm-hmm. Tracy Chapman Katie mm-hmm. Lang like mm-hmm. they just there's something about the poeticism and the ways that they write about like love and like it just Absolutely. it touches me and I like like the I don't know the gays don't do the, the gay I love the gays and I love I love my gay I love my gay singer songwriters but of nobody course. touches me like a like a lesbian like a lesbian with a, a guitar an introspective and I'll lesbian tell you what, with a guitar if any if if any lesbian with a guitar wants to touch me let me know <laughs> oh, sorry cut that out please no let's leave it in it and let's talk about it a little bad bit. joke so you want to be touched okay. <laughs> You want to be touched by um, by a lesbian, which is interesting because when I'm around, it's all, oh, I got a headache. But to hear you now. Are you claiming to be a lesbian? I'm not not claiming to be a lesbian. Are you identifying currently at, on this podcast as a lesbian? I would argue that I'm more of a lesbian than you are. <laughs> I would say if we're going off interests. Absolutely. You fulfill way more lesbian stereotypes than I do. And I thank you. And I take that as a compliment. And I just think I've just got the sleeping with women down part down. 
<laughs> is that all, is that all it takes? That was that one little pesky thing. The thing <laughs> that one little that one little pesky thing that sort of it's moves keeping the needle. me from getting my lesbian card. <laughs> if I if I walked into a bar and it was all lesbians, I would instantly feel at home. Uh, me too. But that's... if you if you tur- but if you turn up the notch and you told me and if if it was all lesbians in their fifties and sixties, that's that's pretty <laughs> well, close Brandon, to heaven. That's just that's cl- that's just that's just honestly, I would feel really, really, really safe and comforted in that environment too. Of course, and I would have the best time ever. Can but we you find would that find bar? Your- oh my god, people. I would Can never. I would. Bar? I am like I really am honestly like in many ways just a lesbian. Like if if you could 100%. find me, a, and, but I'm a middle-aged i'm not one of these young lesbians I, i'm a no, middle-aged me lesbian. Neither. <laughs> if you could find me a like a lesbian bar with all like middle-aged lesbian women i i don't know if i'd ever find a place that i would be as comfortable like i want to just like me too. i want to be there i want to yeah. be there and i want to just have fun and just, i would like, love that i would love that too that would be so comforting to me that would be so comforting to me is that our next business it, venture drop me in the middle of uh a, a gay bar with middle-aged gay men and i would also do very well i would but do well in like a middle-aged gay man situation too group of gay men too it can't just be like because <sighs> there are some gay bars that are like that in chicago and i don't have fun there but it's and it's I, I feel particular i no, i i 100 agree with you which is why yeah. I, which is why i was like you know what we just got to open it we got to finally we've been getting all this money from spotify um, i know and- we should open our space and it's like if you were born after what what's our cutoff after oh that's a good one after stonewall if you were born after Stonewall, <laughs> you are not allowed in this bar unless you're us, because we were fa- we we're famously very young. Oh, so <laughs> so we get the word of barometer. 1969, right? Stonewall. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's what that I also want. means that that also means that our moms can come. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, I believe that my mother would do fantastic in a bar. I feel like my mom would be like, what? No, my mom would be like, where are the men? And why does it smell like patchouli in here? And my mom would be like, who crochets here? Let's talk about it. Also, we were talking. Also, we were talking about, I would love to learn. My mom does crochet. And I actually, let's add that to the list of things I need my mom to teach me how to do. Yes. One thing, okay, so one thing I do want to bring up. This movie came out October 8th, 1993. It was made on a budget, well, originally $45 million that that apparently like ballooned to $77 million. It was supposed to be a 72-day wow. movie shoot, and it ended up being 112 days. Um, oh, my God. But it also made a box office, uh, but it also made at the box office around $160 million. So this is... Oh, wow. This is a hit, ladies and gentlemen. Um, did they ever make a sequel? Demolition they did Man not, two? but there were talks about it. And they should. I, I would watch it. Right, I would too. Also... The one thing that I will say about this movie, there was one point in this movie where I was like, oh, my God, that's so cute. Um, and it was was it the same. Did you have the same moment with the dress? Uh, that Sandra you Bullock tell wears? me your moment. Sandra Bullock is wearing this dress um, when they go to the Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so cute. It was like a dress. OK, made. we had the same moment. Did we? Because okay. I was like, that dress is so fucking cute. And then they and then I got a closer look at it and I was like, it looks like there are like Moncala beads. Like they were actual stones. 
Were they? And apparently it weighed 40 pounds and it oh actually God. ripped during one of the scenes. And I was like, She looked okay. banging in it. She looked amazing she, in it. It was like she this. She looked ho- amazing in this movie. Her she looked, cop she uniform yeah. was sexy as hell. I was like, oh, that's absolutely. a hot cop. That oh, of course the lesbian loved the <laughs> the saucy young cop. Um and I'm a lesbian, so me too. Um but yeah, no, you I saw like a five minute rant about Pedro Pascal. I say Sandy looks good in her cop uniform, and no, I'm never true. at the end of it. That's true. No, you're right. You got me. Um Thank it's you. this really cute, like little baby doll dress, and it's just great. And I thought, oh, this would be cute. And I also thought this would be really cute, like like uh like a really like like a body contour like version of this dress would also be super cute with totally. the same it's the like, shape neckline. of the dress is like very relevant today yes and I do think like the gems on it are also really relevant today like obviously as we I'm sure you we everyone knows fashion is totally cyclical and this yeah. is totally where we're at again with fashion we we and can't so leave like the 50s and the 60s that. alone what they gifted we us cannot. We, <laughs> we like we and stay we there no, yeah. no, absolutely not. No, no. They gave us so much in terms of fashion. And I feel so like now it's looks. so much is just like, yeah, let's, let's dip back into let's dip back into into, into the um the archives. Um no, I thought okay. Absolutely. So that was absolutely true. I also love this like murder death kill thing that was like such a Why do they say it like that? I don't that? know. They kept saying it. It became like a huge theme throughout the movie, murder death kill. And it was so, like too much. For you guys who haven't seen the movie, instead of saying, oh, eight people were murdered or this guy murders people, it's like, oh, he's 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 he that's a murder death kill. Like they wouldn't say like someone and they they were like they got a flash um in the beginning after um Wesley Snipes like escaped. And it was like in the police station being like 187, 187. And which I know because I listened to Gangster Rap in the 90s, as we all did. And it's a 187, oh, no, 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 fucker. Exactly. Yeah. 187 is the code for, is the police code for murder. I'm sorry, and, yeah. But they had never heard it before. And they're like, what is 187? And, and I was like screaming at my TV, it's a murder. And they look it up and they're like, oh, it's. Eight murder death kills. He participated in eight murder death kills. And then throughout the whole movie, they keep saying murder death kills. And I'm like, why can't you? Why are you calling it like that? It just it's it so made no silly. sense to me. It's like children playing outside, like how they would call it, like a murder death kill. I got you. It's like it's so childish <laughs> and it just it's so unnecessary. It took and me they out of it really lean into it. They've like made that decision. And it is really it's really unnecessary is what it is, but it comes up throughout the movie. Yes. In this constantly. Really weird way. Cause there are a lot of murder death kills in this movie. Yeah. A lot of MDKs. Um, a lot of MDK. MDK. So all of that happens. And also we get like this little like trip to like the underworld that is like headed off by Dennis Larry, because why not? Because it's like, it's why so, not? he's such a funny character in this movie. Because he's supposed to be this symbolic head of the scraps, but like we don't really get a lot of him. Like he's not necessarily like this like activist that like they make him seem. Yes, that part he is, and like he's like he's the one that um, Wesley Snipes is like supposed to kill because Cocteau wants him out and he wants the scrap people to just shut the fuck up and go, you know just take their scraps basically and leave them alone and um 
I think his name is Edgar Friendly. Edgar Friendly. Mm-hmm. Edgar Friendly, played by Dennis Leary, is like the figurehead. But like he's super underutilized. And like he could have had like a lot more funny, like political move- moments where he's speaking out for the people. But we didn't, we had like one of those. Well, that was like what they brought him in for. Like he, yeah. he in effect, was supposed to like punch up the movie. And they, they brought him in to do these like riffy, like comedic rants, which apparently a lot of what he said he wrote himself. But I thought it was really funny that like they brought him in for that because I don't really feel like he did that. I feel like they didn't want I feel like they didn't know what to do with him. His um, moments, and I hate to say this because, you know, I don't want to say this about anybody. His moments on screen were kind of forgettable. Yeah. They weren't weren't super funny. They weren't, they didn't make me think that, you know, it was just. They weren't super funny, but they also weren't like super heartfelt. So it's like they fall in like this really weird, like gray area where it's like as a viewer, you don't really know what to do with them. But he definitely doesn't have like the effect. It's almost like he was supposed to be more than what, like the part was supposed to be more than what it actually was. Right. Because he's the reason for this whole thing. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. His He's character the is the reason for all of this unfolding, like that, exactly. that happens. So yeah. he should be more of a thing, but or at least, I don't know, I don't know, talk about him more or whatever. But did you notice? Um I, I did you notice one of the scrap people who um oh, you know I they did. were famous? You know I did. We got ourselves a, a Jackie Black. A Jack Black mix. cameo. I did he not. Was I was like, I was watching. And I was like, is that Jack Black? Yeah. He was and a- every time I said it, the camera would cut away from him and Tara would look up because she was drawing while watching this with me. And so every time I'd be like, look, it's Jack Black. She would look up a second after he was on film and she never saw him. <laughs> but he's there. But he's it is a blink and you miss it. Miss him thing. Uh-huh. Also, I thought it was really funny to read that Wesley Snipes apparently hated this blonde hair and he shaved his head as soon ah. as the movie was over. And I was like, you weren't you weren't into your your little breezy blonde moment. But apparently, I thought it was great. I loved it. I thought it, it worked really great. well for the. I thought it worked really well for the character, actually. I did, too. I was into it. And it's the thing. It's the thing I remember about this movie. Like when I think about Demolition Man, I didn't actually remember anything about this movie at all, by the way. <laughs> and as I watched it, I realized that I didn't remember anything about this movie. But I remembered blonde, blonde Wesley Snipes was what I remembered. And, and he so like looks good. He's he wears hot. it well. He wears it well. I don't think well. I really understood Wesley Snipes. And maybe it's because like when I was younger, he was so much older than me. But he is like a hot, like no, a very hot like, looking number. No, very nice looking man. And it's funny because this is like black. Well, this is in the black community, but it's always like Wesley Snipes is credited with bringing the the dark skin man into fashion because like oh, up yeah. until this point, like in the 80s and stuff, it was all about like the light skin dude who had like yeah. the really like fine, like Eurocentric hair with the loose curls totally. and, you know, would slick it back. And then Wesley Snipes came on the scene and he was one of those men who, you mm-hmm. know, this was a big and this was also like those movies that were coming out like Mo Better Blues and this movie and Rise Sun mm-hmm. and all of those early 90s moments were like New Jack City. That was like mm-hmm. the beginning of this renaissance of like the dark skinned black man and like Wesley Snipes was at the forefront of it and like he is. Like you look at all these movies and you're like, yeah, like no, Wesley Snipes was like a very like attractive you know, man, I always thought I always thought that in like a New Jack City. I don't know if you've ever seen New Jack City, but he wears like I all- have, yeah, but not in like 150 years. But I just remember he always wore all Nino Brown, the character he played, always wore those like really slick suits so like he always had like these like these like custom made like versace suits and things that he was wearing and he just looks so handsome and so like yeah 
For sure, but in this it's movie, funny it's such a different because when I color. think of Wesley Snipes, I actually don't think he. This is like just a weird thing. Like I don't think he looks as hot in photographs as he does in motion. Is that a weird? No, thing? I feel what you're saying. Some people are like that. Like you look yeah. at an image of them and you're like, huh, and then you see them moving or talking or there's something. There's a charisma mm-hmm. that's unlocked. There's an energy about him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he is very physically attractive. But like, there's just something about him. You know. Moving. And this role too, which was a very different role for him. I mean, I mean, I mean, New Jack City. He played a villain as well, in a, in a way. Although it's you know that's kind of different because there's a lot of other like factors that come into like the ways in which we like a person who is a product of like the streets, then like becoming like well, indoctrinated totally. in that lifestyle, and then you know perpetuating a version of like success that they have seen modeled for them by like their predecessors. It's a whole conversation, and, but but it's just not as right. simple as like Nino Brown the drug dealer in New Jack City being a villain. There's right. more which, stuff uh, happening there. Which makes that a more interesting character than say Simon Phoenix, who like we have no idea why he's such a mega. We don't know we don't know anything about him. I did think it was interesting that apparently it was there was also talks about like a Steven Seagal as like a Schwarzenegger character and a John Claude Van Damme as like the Wesley Snipes character moment for Ooh. this movie. And mm. I was like, huh. Okay. <laughs> I also feel like I also feel like these two seem kind of equally matched and I feel like I may be wrong, but I feel like Van Damme has always struck me as more of an ass kicker than like a Seagal. Um, I feel like I don't know anything about Seagal. Like, I feel like I couldn't name one Steven Seagal movie. Well, you'll um, name one soon. <laughs> and I'm trying to, so it's hard for me to compare. Have you seen that YouTube video of the compilation of like Steven Seagal running? I I think so. I think it's so good. I think either you showed me before. I think I showed it to you. Yes, I think, I think you did show me. <laughs> it's very good. I was like, and those editor, the editors are trash for as much of it being available to be seen. Because if I was directing, I'd be like, Greg, 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 we're gonna get your double in here, um, real quick, and we're gonna see what we can get out <laughs> of him, the and right then we'll just splice like, it together. Nope. <laughs> and then just cut all of his stuff out. I'd rather use a cartoon briefly for just a couple frames. Right. Absolutely. Take it into like a whole, like let's go animation because we're not putting him on screen like that. He won't be respected by the people. Um, You know who we haven't talked about who I want us to talk about? Yes. Who? Associate Bob. Associate Bob. I loved. Okay. Of course you loved Associate Bob. Associate Bob Bob is bringing the gay drama. Like he is giving us like um, support gay character vibes all over town don't you think absolutely it's like associate bob is played by glenn shaddix who i always remember glenn shaddix from beetlejuice yes like that's what tara said too she was like oh the guy from beetlejuice yeah that's my favorite um role he plays the interior decorator otho in Mm -hmm. um in beetlejuice and yeah i in the moment he's he's associate bob is the like right hand of uh nigel hawthorne's mayor um of uh cocteau so he's in so he's existing in the room he's often like in the background sort of observing things and listening but he doesn't say a lot face and giving a lot of face he's appalled a lot everything's happening in the eyes he's giving a lot of he's taking things in he's loving watching the drama and like he's just like what's like there's like some fight scenes like when like um what's his face when um sly comes in and like shoots up the conference room that cocteau is uh, um like his video chatting from or whatever and like (laughs) 
he associate Bob is giving us every face possible. He's giving us drama. I just love him. And he I love my what favorite my one of my favorite thing about associate Bob is that he is he's down for whoever is in charge. Yes. And there's <laughs> and there's a moment towards the beginning of the movie where there's a moment towards the beginning of the movie. Well, I'm sorry, towards the end of the movie where uh, Snipes has just killed. He's just had one of his henchmen kill um, Kato because he couldn't do it because he's programmed not to be able to. And then we just have associate Bob in the corner. He doesn't say anything, but he's just frozen in fear after watching this happen. And then he immediately pledges his support and his undying allegiance to, um, to uh, Phoenix to and his gang. Yeah. And he's like, I can work with you. I can work with anybody, baby. And so then I the next shot is him. I have like, a note in that moment. Or it's like, <laughs> This is Brandon in this. Shut up. 100%. But she's not wrong. Um, I, I would fall in line. Yeah. The you, moment I saw some, the moment I saw somebody like, yeah, so, so my leader meet an un, you know, an unlikely demise or an unfortunate demise, I'd be like, look, I get why you did what you had to do. And I'm <laughs> going to do what I have to do, which is support so you. <laughs> Let's get this work done. What's your vision? Let me help you bring it to light. That's um, what I do. And that's the next shot is like, is like, um, <laughs> is like associate Bob, like planning and like helping like strategize. He is like, he's in the fold, baby. <laughs> he's like, I'm here to get the work. I'm here to, to get the work done. And yep. and then the moment that like um, our demolition man shows up and like the, in the, the police force, baby boy slips right out. He's like, all right, I go. <laughs> he's just is like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he said no what he says is wishing you the best of luck. It's yeah, so so fucking perfect. And he's I'm like so he's like heading pop. down like this he's heading down the stairs and he's like he's like, you know, wishing the best of luck, baby. I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely make sure to write or call if if you get out of here. <laughs> if you get out of here alive, I know I am. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it's good. So good. He's my favorite character, and he comes movie. out on top at the end too, baby. Like nobody, nobody questions anything that he did <laughs> because you, there's a moment where you think there may be like crimes against humanity, maybe a charge thrown around for him, but <laughs> it's not on the table. Officer <laughs> Associate Bob at the end of the movie is like As what you can, what you can, what you, I think, what you can uh, assume about Soci- Associate Bob is that he has set himself up for every scenario. So. That he's scot free. Oh, I know he's. I know he's running down there to the police. It's one of the last shots that you see him on the come up again, and people like working with him. And I'm sure he was like, "Let me explain to you what happened." I was in the corner of the room. He got the shot first to get the story out. The first to get the story because let me let me tell you, if it turned out that Phoenix was going to come out on top, you better believe that who would have been sitting right beside him, <laughs> claiming to be a ride or die. <laughs> would have been associate Bob. But instead, when things don't quite go the way that everybody's plan on them going, mm-hmm. associate Bob is, you know, he's like, well, I'm let me get out of here. Let me let you handle this. <laughs> You've got all those programs. You know, all the fights. Um, mm-hmm. He, it appears that, um, also, Spartan is quite armed and quite ready. So I'm going to let you two, you're equals. I'm going to let you two beef. And you I'm going to get out of you here. You guys figure this out. And then I'm here with a pen and a piece of paper ready for instruction. Ready to serve who the winner is. Whoever comes out on top. So that so that was, so that all happens. Um, and then also we get like the, the death scene of, um, of Phoenix, which oh, okay. is like, it's a good moment. I don't really understand what happens here. <clears throat> okay, so I, what I think happens is 
during the, one of the earlier scenes when they're put into their cryogenic freezing state, they're put into the vats and they're just mm-hmm. sort of like moving around in these like vats of liquid until there's like this. It's probably about 18 inches long. It's like a tube that is placed in the side of the container. And when the tube is placed inside, it's got this blue liquid in it. So what I gather is uh, that it's a liquid that initiates the actual freezing, the freezing. process. That's the and freezing so, Okay, that confused me. So that's what sure. happens. And it's actually, I'm just realizing this, what clever, what clever movie made making in the first scene of the movie one of the first scenes of the movie when we have phoenix going toe-to-toe in 1996 Mm -hmm. with um with spartan there's a moment where when when um Spartan walks in the room that Phoenix is in waiting on him before they have their first big fight scene. Phoenix mm. has um has leaked a bunch of uh a bunch of like fluid, like um like accelerant fluid on the ground, like a gasoline of some type onto mm. the floor. So the entire floor is covered in it. So the moment mm. that Spartan comes in with his gun, Phoenix is holding a is holding a, a lighter and he's basically saying, and then he's smoking a cigarette. So he's just like, the moment you kill me, I'm gonna drop this cigarette and we're both gonna burn up, is essentially like his anger. So then at the end, once again, we have the two of them and there's a liquid on the ground, except Mm. it's the opposite of fire. It is ice. And the writers, the writing. So it's a showdown between these two. But fire is no longer the name of the game. It's ice Mm -hmm. this time. And Spartan takes one of those tubes, those cryo tubes that they use to freeze them in their cryo jail. And he and he breaks it. And then he and then he breaks it in the water. And when he does, he grabs onto. To, Spartan grabs onto this um this, this machine thing that hanging from the ceiling, so he's yeah, not, that is, no longer on the yeah, floor. It's oscillating above. He grabs mm-hmm. onto one of the arms of it, so he's not making contact with the ground. And in that moment, uh, Phoenix is frozen from the feet down, and we watch his body slowly freeze. And then mm-hmm. while hanging from this oscillating device, as he comes back around, Spartan kicks his head off, kicks his yep. frozen head off, and we see mm-hmm. shards of ruby. It looks like it looks like shattered ruby. It's like all know, of the crystallized blood blood in his body and he's done and he's frozen to death the opposite of how we thought it was gonna all end in the beginning it is that's clever it's 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 masters at work is what it is yeah and also i think it's really funny that at the end of the movie so for some reason even though they barely work on this relationship but sandra bullock ends up with Sylvester Stallone, and apparently yeah when this movie came out when the movie came out and they showed it to test audiences the test audiences assumed that sandra bullock was Sylvester Stallone's daughter which i thought was hilarious so the moment that she asked if he was have sex everybody was appalled and then like they're like oh no no this is his love interest you know how we do with the 20 year difference between the you know right um i thought that was really funny that the test audiences brian's were just like no oh my god that's so funny Um, well i also think it's so funny because it's like in the 90s you absolutely could not have like a action movie that didn't have a female lead that fell in love with the main guy. It was like, you have to have like a final kiss. You have to have a moment. And they do end up exchanging fluids. <laughs> also, and also nobody, nobody reacts, which I also thought was a weird choice. Like uh-huh. everybody who's moving around them and granted, like they're coming out of like this building. There's been all this death and carnage, but literally mm-hmm. nobody walking around them away from the building reacts to him grabbing her and kiss. He grabs her, he kisses her and then she grabs him and kisses him. And, and it's nobody- like, that's says up anything. to this point been illegal. That's been illegal. So it's like yeah. you are a police officers like committing an illegal act, which I thought was funny that everybody just is like doesn't care. But well, and then they move on to the conversation where it's like it's the mole people or the underground people and like the police officers and like the chief of police and. 
Um, he just goes like, what does he say? Sly just goes like, why don't you get a little dirty and you get a lot clean and meet somewhere in the middle? And it's like, oh, he fixed it. Whole lot of nothing. Society. Um, yeah. Sounds like one of our politicians. Um, yeah, exactly. So all we need is synergy and group think. Shut up. So all, also, I, you know what I'm just thinking about? The, what, the actress who filmed that scene with Stallone who thought that she was going to be playing his daughter, you know she went to this opening and you know that nobody uh, contacted her and you know she no. showed up with her family and she was like, this this is... <laughs> so this is what a star-making moment looks like. This is my on-the-water front. This is going to change my life. And she showed up and she sat there and then she the moment that she thought the scene was going to happen, it wasn't. And she was like, oh, that's so weird. Why did they move it to the end? Oh, for effect. Probably for like a more... Yeah, yeah, probably and then it's like, no, 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 baby. You know, we moved it to the floor. The cutting room floor. <laughs> um... <laughs> And oh god, I just, hope she's doing well. I hope we find out it's like Gwyneth Paltrow or something. In my head, for some reason, who I actually thought it was, and I don't know why, was Laura Flynn Boyle. <laughs> I was like, I just Aren't they like Laura the same Flynn. age? Um, well, Sylvester Stallone's in his 70s. I don't know if I oh, think Laura Flynn Boyle is in. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I guess I don't know how old Laura Flynn Boyle is. Um, Laura Flynn Boyle. Oh, the age is on lock. Um, oh, Laura Flynn Boyle is apparently around 50, like 52. So Laura Flynn Boyle's is basically Sandra Bullock's age. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's a little so different. She, yeah, so she could be here. I mean, both of them could be his daughter, technically. Yeah, I yeah, I guess there's a way to think about that in terms of the world. Yeah, um, yeah right. oh, Sandra Bullock's actually 57. Okay, she was like Sandra Bullock is 57. Yeah, I did not realize that. I didn't realize she was that old. My God. Yeah, and Sylvester Stallone is always older than I think he is. He's 76. Wow. And hey, his he birthday's is... tomorrow. His birthday's <gasps> tomorrow, baby. He's about to be, be 77. 77. You know what? Happy birthday, Stallone. Happy birthday, Sly. Actually, I don't know. What has he done anything problematic? I, I don't know. I knew you were gonna say what are his <laughs> politics. I knew you were gonna say what are his politics before you what get the happy politics? birthday wish from he me. Because he looks like he could be a trumper to me. <laughs> he does look like he could be uh let me see. What's his own politics? <laughs> Okay, he was blasted, apparently. Oh, Sloan has denied being Republican, though he voted for McCain in 2008. And apparently, what, blasted for... What does that mean? This magazine headline says, blasted for joining Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Well, Stallone is okay. So I don't know if he if that means he was at Mar-a-Lago at the same time as Cheetah. What he what that means is he probably joined the club. It's a golf. Oh, okay. There we go. Which is like friendly with Trump. If you have any feelings about being involved in politics at all, you shouldn't be joining fucking Mar-a-Lago. There we go. Yep. Which means he just moves through the world with his head buried in the sand of functions like a rich white guy. And apparently he's he's claimed to be a quote unquote political atheist, whatever the fuck that means. That doesn't oh that that means I'm too privileged to oh my god. Yeah. It. That means I don't cons- I don't concern myself with poor stuff. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't have an opinion because it doesn't serve me to have one. On that note, we are going to be rescinding our happy birthday. So, um, no, no happy birthdays to you. Like, think about how, you know what, Sly, I have a birthday message for you. And I would yeah. like for you to vote considering the most vulnerable person you know, which is probably, I don't know. Which is probably like, which is prob- probably like your butler who makes like 250K a year. 
And you probably look at him and you're like, oh my God, he can't afford to live in Montecito. He's over at Silver Lake. He's three bedroom house, two bathrooms. That's it. Him and his wife. It's a tragedy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having to live on 250K a year? Sastalone. Sastalone. I'm sorry. There's something about somebody like infantilizing their own name. I don't know why that works for me in the way that it does. It's like me just being like, Sag Greenhousey. Like, <laughs> and it made me think of like a segment that like um it, like a Stallone version of punked where it's this welcome back to Stallone baloney <laughs> oh and it's like, just him like pranking celebrities like pranking his like rich friends but it's literally it's like but it's what it's like him and then it's like Jessica Lang and like the prank is that like he like switched out like her like 2022 tax return with like a 2021 and yeah. she's like at her desk and she's like call my call my assistant I was supposed to go through I was supposed to go through my, my taxes but this is a 2021 file and then he's like or is In it what turn around world is Jessica Lang filing her own fucking taxes well, she's got you know Academy Award winning actress she's got H&R Block on the on the line um, <laughs> you okay so not just I so, so Hillary like he what about, switches the salt with sugar when they're out to dinner what about Hillary Swank you just got Stallone baloney do you think Hillary Swank would Hillary Swank would what do you think Hillary Swank's doing her own taxes Okay, let's play this game really quick. Um, okay. Do you think that Leah Thompson is doing her own taxes? I think Leah Thompson um, pays someone to do her own taxes, but it's not the same person every year. So she has to organize it every year, but she does pay an accountant to do her taxes. Do you think Rhett Butler from Grace Under Fire is doing her own taxes? I think Rhett Butler is going on TurboTax and doing the free version of her own taxes. Do you think Lori Metcalf is doing her own taxes? Absolutely not. No. You don't think Allison Janney is doing her own taxes either? Of course not. That do you think? No. Do you think Gary Busey is doing his own taxes? Yeah. I think Gary Busey is actually incapable of doing his own taxes. <laughs> I think probably he has like a family member that handles it. I don't know if they're going to H and R Block, but I don't think he's capable of doing his own taxes. <laughs> you think somebody's just showing up at the house like, "Hey, Buse, you got the paperwork for me." Yeah, it's on the counter somewhere. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't slept in four fucking days. Get out of my house. You think I'm concerned about taxes? You think it's like him and like him just wrestling with like Jake Busey for like <laughs> the tax files at his home? He's like, God damn it, Dad. <laughs> I gotta make sure I have something fucking left. <laughs> He's like, Dad, man, they're thinking about rebooting Shasta McNasty. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Can't be fooking around with you. I got a meeting with Spade. <laughs> yeah i think we i think that's a pretty good assessment i also like this new game that we've just invented it's trademarked so don't you dare it's trademarked you guys can play it but you do have to give us credit and you have to tell us what you've decided for each person that you do have to you share have with to, us you have to record it and share it with us um whether you, it's written down or you physically record it with your phone we need to know so that we can tell you whether you're right or not 
And this brings us back to the ways in which you can tell us, which is through our social media. Yes, we are um, on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Miss. And you can DM us with this stuff. We'll take voice memos. We'll take whatever. And then you can also tweet it. Tweet at us at MWM. You can jot it. MWM chat is our Twitter. And you can also write it on um, a piece of construction paper and just fold it up and like send it to us as well. You could take it. You could take a picture of it. That part. I don't know. We're not. We don't do our own taxes. If that helps you. No. Well, you uh, know, we just said if Jessica Langland doing her taxes, then you know we're not doing ours. You know we're not. Um, and well, I did mention that um, I'm playing a little game with the Spotify money. So absolutely, yeah. Um, but it's not me. I've got people figuring it out. Duh, I haven't touched money in so long. Discussing I money don't even and finance. I don't know what a is, dollar bill feels like anymore. I have no idea. Discussing money is so gauche. Um, it's and you won't catch me doing it. No. And well, not that we've haven't done it several, literally for the last ten minutes. It's only for people <laughs> on the podcast who listen to the podcast because we know it's not all millionaires and not anymore, at least. Especially since Jane has just created that bridge between us and money train that was Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're gonna regroup. We're gonna regroup, we're and gonna regroup. we'll be back to talk to you. But before we do, um, Jane, I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you watch this movie again? Um. I think I would watch this movie again, probably not for a while, but I would watch it again and like enjoy it. I actually would love uh, Demolition Man 2 because I want to know how they deal with this collapse. Who is society. it? Who's starring in Demolition Man 2? Um, Ryan Reynolds. And who else? Oh, like the female lead? Ryan Reynolds. Who, the Ryan villain Reynolds. is what I was thinking, but my God. Oh, oh, I'm thinking Ryan Reynolds plays the Stallone part. The villain. The villain this time? Arguably, Dr. Cocteau is, is a villain as well. But you're talking about the Wesley Snipes character. You know who I'm talking but about. I would love to see Viola Davis playing a villain. Ooh. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like that. I was I think gonna, that would be that's so a fun. Really, that's a really good idea. I was going to say uh, Channing Tatum and Daniel Kaluuya. Ooh, that would be great. Yeah, although Dave has just said that Stallone, Sandy, and Snipes are in it. It's, although Snipes doesn't have a head anymore, so I don't know how we do that. Yeah, we would have to... I don't know how we bring Snipes back in this fantasy. Oh, yeah, he did. Exactly. Um, <laughs> also, anyways, never mind. I'm going to say it on the podcast. I'm not going to say, say it. it we'll, say it won't cut it. No, you won't. I don't believe you. I, I have no control over what gets cut. It doesn't matter. All I'm going to say is that, like, let's just for Sandy and for and for Sloan, we need you to just ease up on some of the stuff you've been doing. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Um, all right. You all can put the pieces together. I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, so, Jane, do you have a movie for me for next week that you want me to watch? I do. And I, I have a couple that I've been bouncing around. Or are you going to let me pick? No. Nope. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm really choosing right excited. now. I let you pick before. Okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Two very different movies. Okay. And I think I know which one you're going to pick, but I will give you the choice. Okay. We have Blue Crush and we have Monster. 
Oof. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That was not at all what I was expecting. Oh, my God. Couldn't be more different. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? Oh, my do you, God. Which one? Oof. Oof which, one do you, which one do you want? Oh God. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I can't believe you've put me in a situation where I'm no choice, but to say the words I never thought I'd say, I guess I'm going to go with blue crush. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even know what it is. And perfect. This is no idea what it is. I have no idea who's in it. I have no idea about perfect. That's my my favorite way to enter into a movie. Um, and I can't Monster. wait for you to see. Ooh, <laughs> damn. I was Don't not worry. expecting that. Tr- I, every, any movie you could have said. And I was, that was the <laughs> like, last movie on my list. <sighs> but don't worry. Oh, that's a doozy. It'll come up. <laughs> We're going to do okay. it. Okay. <laughs> but for next week, <laughs> the, the, the brand has spoken and we will be doing Blue Crush. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening to us talk about Demolition Man and a bunch of other things that had nothing to do with Demolition Man. We hope you enjoyed it. We did. We always do. And we love you and want to kiss you open mouth um, and exchange fluids with you. Um, That's if you're Interested. Um, and we can't wait to see you next week to cover Blue Crush. Love you. Bye. Bye. Oh, somebody's scatting all of a sudden coming from my gig. I, no. I knew you were going to do it if I did. Yeah. And when you try to stun with the big dogs, that's what happens. So now this you're podcast, scatless. This podcast has to end. I think that's it. That was it. That was the end. Stallone.